This episode of Transmissions is brought to you by Prime Toys, where you can get collector-grade toys without the collector-grade prices. Use the code TRANSMISSIONSOCTOBER at checkout for 10% off your order at primetoys.net. This episode is also brought to you with the support of our listeners. If you're able to donate, please visit our support page at transmissionspodcast.com support. On that page, you will find links to donate via Patreon or PayPal. If you can't donate monetarily, please help us out by spreading the word about our show. Hey everybody, this is Dan Gilbazan, the voice of Bumblebee, and you're listening to Transmissions Podcast. I, I prefer to you know be able to have all of us on the, the call. Yeah. yeah. Even though Charles hogs the mic. <laughs> I know, man. Right? Fuck. If you want to kick me off, just say the <laughs> word. <laughs> is that all it takes? Okay. <laughs> hey, I'll work's just, been don't... started. The way my voice is right now, I could take over as the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get enough of your love, baby. I'll just be over here with my own podcast, Blackjack and Hookers. <laughs> Let's get it on. <laughs> just why don't why don't you just go into the interview? <laughs> oh, okay. You're queuing it up like All right. that. All right, we'll do that. I want you guys to think of a time when Volkswagen didn't have emissions problems. <laughs> when the color yellow was a good color. When uh, a boy could talk to his car. I got nothing after that. All these things are still possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is this is going in the outtakes. <laughs> Do what you feel. I'm going on mute. Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the Transformers. On this episode of Transmissions, we sit down and talk with the voice of Bumblebee, Dan Gilbazan, as we discuss his career and the time he spent as the voice of everyone's favorite yellow Volkswagen Beetle. So buckle up your seatbelts, we're about to start Transmissions. Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast that's living out its childhood dreams. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team, Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hey. <laughs> you should have said Barry. hey, ladies. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> and Daryl, the Cybertronian beast. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> let's. Well, let's talk Transformers, everybody. <laughs> Dude, you do not sound like Terrence and Philip. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> All right. Welcome to this. Go, uh, go Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Go Tigers. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to introduce Daryl to American college football. It's ridiculous. You guys should start with professionalism and then move on. <laughs> on this episode, we have a very special guest joining us. If you're a fan of the original Transformers cartoon series, you'll immediately recognize his voice. 
Bumblebee is the little, little yellow Autobot that everyone wanted to be friends with, and we are so very pleased to have the man who breathed life into his character onto the show. Please welcome Mr. Dan Gilvezan. I'm, I'm pausing for the applause to die down. <laughs> <laughs> we add that in in post. Yeah, that, that, should, that should do it. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you and great to talk to you. And uh, we just we just saw you at TFCon, so it's great to talk to you again. Yeah, it was great to meet you in person, Charles. And um, I must say, you're a, you're a very tall gentleman. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> did you hug him, Charles? As I recall, Charles, from the script reading that we did, the very talented uh, voiceover artist yourself. Oh, thank you. I, I, I was... Uh, Really surprised and pleased to get picked for that, so it was really a treat to to actually work with you. It, it was it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. But I thought the reading went uh, went really well. Yeah, and 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 the little kid Logan, he did a great job. You know, I got to tell you, I am a big Logan fan. Um, <laughs> for those of you who weren't there and don't know what we're talking about, there was a uh, a young man, I think seven years old, named Logan who absolutely blew us away with his personality uh, and just his, his joy of life. And we, we, uh, the, the three judges, the three of us who were judging um, Richard and Greg and myself uh, decided to, to give him uh, cast him as one of the characters, although, you know, he would never, you know, normally be that character. And he was great. So um, I, I'm, you know, I'm writing fan letters even as we speak. <laughs> And uh, Jeremy was able to record the whole thing, so we've put it up on YouTube, so everyone can check that out. Oh, that's great! Terrific. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your career, Mister Gilvezan, and and everything you've done. So, um, okay, um, yeah, sure. Uh, but first of all, uh, call me Dan because okay. uh, that that way we'll. It'll it'll be more informal and and people will feel like um, they they know me a little better than Mr. Gilbazan just sounds so you know so formal and so kind of standoffish so call me Dan or Danny or Daniel or um, you could call me Phil but I probably wouldn't answer to it <laughs> okay all right Dan so before Transformers uh, yeah <laughs> call me Mr. Gilbazan okay what's the matter with you guys. <laughs> Why do you have to disrespect Phil like that, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> We're just young whippersnappers. Sorry. <laughs> you are indeed young whippersnappers. Stop snapping those whips. <laughs> All right. So uh, go ahead. Ask away, boys. Yeah. So uh, so before Transformers uh, and maybe even before Spider-Man, what was your first voiceover work? Well, I, I started uh, doing radio back in, in Washington, D.C. Those were my very first jobs, radio commercials um, in Washington and the East Coast. And um, to, be, to be quite honest, when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, I did very little work when I first moved out here. It was very difficult for me to get started as I um, we had a Q&A at the convention and I was talking about this. Uh, I took, it took five years for me to get really established out here. And weirdly enough, um, the very first uh, job that I got in uh, voiceover and animation was Spider-Man and Miss Amazing Friends. So there was no such thing as, as working my way up. I mean, I, I exploded onto the scene with, with a, uh, 
a very popular and very visible series. Wow, that's great. Okay. So so uh, how so how did you get the the Spider-Man and his amazing friends show? You just auditioned and and got the part? Yeah, I uh, um just a few months before the audition, um I managed to get a voiceover in, uh, a voiceover agent interested in me. And um this uh, the show Spider-Man and his amazing friends was a big deal because this was the first show that Marvel was producing on their own. Normally and before this, they had licensed out their characters to different animation companies, and those companies produced the uh, the animated series. This was the first time that Marvel uh, had their hands on it themselves. So they, uh, Stan Lee moved out to Los Angeles from his office in New York. They put together a staff out here and um, cooked up this show, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. So this was a really big deal. Um, and everybody in town was up for this thing, which is how I got involved, because normally... I probably wouldn't even have been thought of uh, for an audition for an animated series because I had no experience in it. But they were seeing so many people for this thing. It was so open that I got thrown in there as well. So uh, after numerous auditions, I think we, I, I think I was in there probably three times. Um, they said uh, Kathy Garver, Frank Welker, and myself were uh, recorded uh, some tracks together and the producer came out and said, hey, congratulations, this is our team. We're, we'll start rehearsing in about our, uh, shooting. Uh, not shooting. <laughs> it wasn't on camera. But recording uh, in uh, just a few weeks. So that uh, that was it. Wow. And then that and uh, that also led, uh, after you finished that, into, uh, I guess, since Marvel was also... Uh, working with uh, when they started the Transformers series that led into getting a chance to get into Transformers. Is that right? Yeah, I think they, you know, they felt that they, they could, uh, they knew me and they knew my work and they knew that I was a, a, you know, a performer that they could count on. So I think that, that uh, added to the, uh, to my casting as, as Bumblebee in that series. And then from there, um, you know, there was GI Joe and then, you know, so many other toy companies were producing, animated series in the in the 80s that uh, there was so much work that we all worked a great deal so you know starting with that uh, spider-man and his amazing friends um, putting me on the map like that it just grew and grew and grew from uh, from that point on right so uh, we got a lot of information uh, about uh, your career and work on the g1 TV show from your book uh, bumblebee and me uh, and I have to say that was a, a really enlightening book. I, I got it signed by you back at, at TFCon Chicago last year, and uh, it, it really gave us a lot of insights into uh, what it was like to work uh, on Transformers back in the 80s. Uh, so what was it that inspired you to write that book? Well, um, as you know, uh, Charles, uh, I've done a, a few other uh, conventions. Like about 10 years ago, I started doing conventions. And um, I found that a lot of the questions that were asked in panels uh, were similar or the same. And I thought, you know, why not put this between two covers and um, have somebody who hasn't been able to make it to a convention or, you know, maybe not in their area, be able to get an answer to these questions that they might have. So I sat down and uh, over the summer, Bumblebee and me, um, but life as a G1 transformer, and it answers a lot of the questions that people have asked. It also talks about the history of Transformers. It really takes it from uh, the day I walked into the audition at Wally Bird Studios 
to the day that the the show was finally canceled and everything in between the recording sessions. I talk about my, my fellow actors. I tell a few stories and anecdotes about the crazy times we had. Uh, there's a, a picture session, a section rather in the middle with a lot of unpublished pictures that nobody had ever seen before. There's a complete um, uh, episode guide and character breakdown in the back. And uh, it's been really successful. The fans have really, really reacted well to it. And uh, that's very gratifying to me. Uh, it's available on Amazon and uh, it's also available on Audible as a uh, as a recorded book. And, you know, I hired the finest voice talent I could find. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I have to say, they they really imitated your voice well. Yeah, basically, thank you very much. Uh, basically, I was looking for someone who could capture the essence and also work free. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's the story of the book. Uh, that's, the story, that's the story behind the book. And as I say, the fans have, have really dug it. Um, we sell a lot of conventions, and, and many people, of course, have bought it from Amazon. Right. And uh, so since we, uh, for our listeners out there who maybe haven't picked up the book yet, but they should, and we'll give them a link to that on our uh, on our website, uh, can you give uh, a little bit of a taste of, of what it was like to work on the Transformers cartoon back in the 80s? Just a, just a little bit so they'll be encouraged to go and pick up that book. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the section that most fans really enjoy most is the, uh, the the chapter where I talk about the actual recording sessions with all of us in the same room together uh, in front of microphones laying down the tracks. I mean, you had Peter and Frank and John Stevenson and Chris Latta and me and Greg Berger and on and on and on. Uh, and I have to let you know that there were there, it was complete bedlam in that, in that recording <laughs> studio. You get, you know, you get a group of actors, comedians, stand-up comics, what have you, together in one place, and that, and especially throwing Michael Bell with it, and you, you've got recipe for for mayhem. And um, during those sessions, so much happened. Um, I'll give you one example that's also in the book. Uh, Ed Gilbert, uh, who is one of our cast members, uh, was also a, a really well-known entomologist. He studied insects all over the world. And uh, at one point, he brought in this giant tarantula just to show us, you know, what it looked like. And this thing was as big as a dinner plate, I swear. And uh, predictably, it got loose in the studio. And uh, I got to tell you guys, you've never seen a room clear so fast in your life. <laughs> wow. Uh, they, he, Ed finally did get his property back, uh, and, and the recording session went on. But uh, Wally, Wally, after that, instigated a a new ruling about recording sessions, no pets in the studio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I'm surprised that the, no one uh, swatted that bug in the, <laughs> before it was uh, safely yeah. recaptured. <laughs> right. And that, well, that's just, you know, one example of the stuff that happened there. We had a fire in the studio at one point. Nobody even noticed until smoke had filled the room and somebody looked around and said, you know, the wastebasket is on fire. <laughs> what happened? What, what happened was we had a lot of scripts uh, laying around, and, and most of them, when you were done with the pages, were tossed to the uh, to the waste uh, basket in the back of the room. And somebody, you could still smoke at that time, believe it or not, uh, in the recording studio. Somebody threw a lit cigarette in there, and the thing went up. And uh, that, that was fun. That was a lot of. But we got the thing out, but uh, you know, not before uh, many of us suffered from smoke inhalation. Which actually was kind of a pleasant thing. (laughs) 
So now we're working on the cartoon back in the eighties when there there's no internet, there's no real uh, avenue for for fans or kids who love the show to to talk to you guys. Did you have a sense of the popularity of the show and how it was growing? Well, we knew the show was popular because anytime that you're asked to do you know more episodes of the series, um, I did a number of series during that time, and and many of them you know went only a few episodes or one episode uh, even. For instance, the uh, the X Men uh, adventure that I did. Uh, I think it was called Pride of the X-Men, where I played uh, Colossus. Uh, that one, that was a pilot. Uh, we only did one episode, and it, it never went to series, although it, it really should have. I think it was just ahead of its time. I did another series called Dino Riders, which um, we, we only did a handful of episodes before that, uh, that petered out. So we knew Transformers was super popular, and, you know, the obviously the... Uh, the producers were getting a lot of letters and they were, and Hasbro was selling a lot of toys. Right. But I don't think anybody, uh, I don't think anybody dreamed at that point that this, uh, this show would have the kind of legs that it has. I mean, it, it, it would have gone on and on and on and, and been, you know, continued to be as popular as it continues to be. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no sense that 30 years later, you'd be invited across the country to, to talk about what you were doing. No, and I, you know, it was a pleasant surprise, that's for sure. And, and doing the conventions is a great deal of fun, and it's really great to get to meet the fans. Well, you saw that, Charles. At, yes. <laughs> um, at this last go around in, in Charlotte, um, it's been a great thing. But no, nobody had any idea that uh, this would continue and, and would become so big. So, when did you find out that there were kids who had grown up to become adults were? were still having this enduring love for Transformers and that they were, they were seeking you out to, to, to talk to you or, or find you? Well, I, I think the first um, convention I did, if I'm remembering right, was in Chicago about 10 years ago. Um, and that's kind of my first introduction to the popularity of this show. Um, before that, I had heard, you know, well, there's some conventions going on and blah, blah, blah. But this was the first one I actually first attended, and I realized, wow, you know, people, I mean, it was a huge crowd, and I, I know. was frankly blown away by this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, I know, I, I saw you at BotCon 2004 for the first time, so it was like right around that time, I guess. Was that Chicago? Uh, that was Pasadena. Yeah, that was one of the first. Um, that was one of the first. But as I say, at those early conventions, um, with my first introduction to how popular uh, the show continued to be, and it actually had grown into. Um, so that that was really my my introduction to it. And then in the meantime, um, we've done. We, I do you know two or three conventions a year generally, and um, all during that time, I've I've actually seen it grow during the ten years that I've been involved. Wow, great! And for the the conventions that you go to, are they all Transformers themed, or do you also go to like the general uh, comic book or sci fi conventions? Um, both. Um, uh, we've been to, uh, uh, they brought me to, um, uh, San Diego Comic Con a few years back when I did Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, uh, to be on a panel for Activision. Oh, okay. So I have been, uh, there. Yeah. And, you know, also we, we do do science fiction conventions, although my favorites obviously are the Transformers convention because that's, you know, the, the, the more specific fans are there. Although, you know, the, the other conventions are great too. And it's great to meet those people too. Yeah. So what? Plus, I've met some really cool 
I've met really cool celebrities at the, uh, you know, at the, at the more generalized ones, like, you know, George Takei and, and, uh, um, you know, Bill Shatner and those guys, uh, right. they're all around there too. So, so that's been pretty cool. I've, uh, I, have you ever met any of those, uh, other big celebrities that have been fans of, of, of your work? No, nobody really cares much about me. <laughs> oh. We I've care. always, <laughs> I've always been interested in the, in the big, in the, in the people that have made it, you know, very in, into very large celebrities that that grew up on transformers uh for instance uh robert kirkman who writes the walking dead he he's a humongous transformers fan and and grew up on it um and and he you know he would obviously know your work very well um and and i i i I gotta have my agent contact him. There might be a job there for me. I'll be made up and kind of shuffle around the set as good as anybody else. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, I just I'm I'm curious to to about any any of those like big time celebrities that uh, you know would have would come up to you and say, yeah, you know what, I yeah I really loved the show when when I was young, and you know. To be honest no. with you, I have never heard that, and. It may be that they're so intimidated by me that they're afraid to come up to me. That's, that's got to be it. That's, that's got to be it. My, great, my, my greatness is actually so great that, you know, <laughs> the, the real biggies, the, you know, the, the giant celebrities at Brad Pitt's and, the, and Angelina Jolie's and those guys, they're just they're probably too intimidated to come up to me. And I can understand that. Well, I'm pretty sure Angelina Jolie was into gym. So, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that may be true. Uh, that may be true. By the way, the movie's coming out what this week? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It should be interesting. So, uh, what's the most interesting thing a fan has uh, has said to you, or, or or done for you, or given you, uh, you know, regarding your work on Transformers? Has said to me. Yes, if they've said something, like said something to you or about your work, or maybe given you something, something interesting that they've uh, they've done to when they've gotten the chance to meet you, just a real memorable moment from the fandom. Um, Yeah, uh, to be really serious and to put all joking aside, I've had uh, people come up to me and say things like, "I had a really tough childhood. Um, I." I suffered, uh, you know, some, you know, may have been a learning disability or may have been a physical disability or just, you know, some kid that was having a really tough time in school or whatever. And they will say to me, you know, this show helped get me through it. You helped get me through it. And uh, I have to tell you guys, that's a that's a very powerful thing to hear and a very gratifying thing to hear. And that's that's probably the most the, the best and the, the most important thing I've ever heard from from any fan. Wow! Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I mean, we had you, know, you talk about you know not knowing what the show was going to be. Um, I remember thinking early in my career, earlier actually, you know what what I'm doing really doesn't really matter very much. You know, I'm not curing cancer. I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not you know I'm not doing anything important. And I mean, not to overstate it, but it's nice to know that to some people this was important. I mean, that's that's a it's a it's a really nice thing to know. Yeah, that's that's really great. That's I, I think uh, we we can all say that that we've been inspired by your work. I mean, growing up, 
and seeing Bumblebee do things on the screen. I mean, I, I what I said in the introduction was true. I mean, we all see the we saw the relationship between Spike and Bumblebee on the show. And of course, every kid can identify with Spike being a kid who has a, a transformer as his best friend and he can ride around in him and, and do all those amazing adventures with him. So I can see how how anyone would be uh, would be inspired by that. Well, and the thing also is that uh, Bumblebee was the smallest Autobot, and you know kids are small, so they're used to being, you know, you know, trying to to get seen or trying to get known or doing their best to try and, uh, you know, be somebody. And I think, you know, that was another factor that made kids relate to Bumblebee, uh, you know, more than maybe some of the other Autobots. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I think uh, I remember this weekend I brought you a piece of artwork to get signed uh, by Josh Perez, uh, the IDW uh, artist who works on some of the current comic books. And I, I would definitely say he's your your number one fan. Uh, and I, I wonder well, how you know, I couldn't you know what? I couldn't believe Perez that Perez drew that. First of all, I mean, this guy's <laughs> you know an amazing artist. And to hear that he was a fan. I mean, that's 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 really sweet hearing that. Yeah, I mean, he he just loves Bumblebee to death. He collects every single Bumblebee character. He he loves you. He's done. I, I have one of his uh, his prints that he's done a, a a piece of art where it shows all the different Transformer characters that you voiced along with a, a little portrait of you in, in the foreground. And uh, he just oh. he loves it. He, he loves he loves all your work and is just. It's uh, it's something that stuck with him since he was a kid. Well, that's that's all I can say is that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the the toys, uh, besides Bumblebee, I, I know uh, in the book you mentioned that you you had many uh, Bumblebees over the years that you'd given away to friends and family. Is are there any other of the toys that you've uh, you've collected, or do you have a favorite toy? Um, I, I don't really have a favorite toy. I've been given some really great um, uh, things from fans over the years, some, you know, handmade um, curios. And, and uh, I, I have two uh, small clay statues that are really cute, uh, uh, Bumble Bears, uh, that was given to me by a fan. I have this really, really awesome crocheted bookmark, which is it's a beautiful thing wow. uh, that a fan gave me. I have uh, uh, Shirley Chung, who I think you know, does these incredible stuffed uh, transformers, and she's given me uh, a couple of those of Bumblebee. So I've gotten some really great uh, gifts from fans, and those are on a special shelf in my home. So those are those are my toys. <laughs> and I guess recently, uh, Japan uh, in Japan, the the company Takara has put out uh, their they call it a masterpiece Bumblebee, which is a very you know very accurate uh, Volkswagen uh, toy that definitely captures the the original bumblebee from the cartoon have you gotten a chance to see that or has anyone showed that to you i own one. Oh, okay <laughs> i own one also i don't know if you're aware of it but there was a pink version put out for valentine's day which i bought for my wife oh <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah it's really cool because in one hand he's holding a bouquet of flowers and the other he's got a box of chocolates <laughs> oh, that's, I haven't seen that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it's really it's a very limited uh, edition, and it, she likes it a lot. Oh, that that's really cool. <laughs> 
Uh, now, going uh, fast forwarding a little bit to, to modern times, uh, I guess for the last few years, uh, Bumblebee's made the jump to the the big screen, the movie screen with the live action movies. Uh, although not quite in the form that that us as, as kids who remember the '80s uh, would have preferred. I mean, we it's a very different in, uh, incarnation from his from his G one days. So, so what do you think of that Bumblebee? Well, it, to me, it was odd to to go from Volkswagen to Camaro. Um, I mean, that's such a jump. And, you know, most of the fans understand that they couldn't use a Volkswagen because Volkswagen uh, won't allow their their um, their products to be associated with a war movie, uh, right. quote unquote. But to go to a Camaro, I thought, was odd. I mean, why not, you know, like a Mini Cooper or, you know, some smaller vehicle? Um, I guess they just thought it was cooler. And I suppose it is, but it just, you know, in the... Uh, in these, in 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 this, the newer series, it's some sort of nondescript uh, smaller vehicle. And when we did Devastation, uh, in his robot mode, he looks exactly like the original Bumblebee. But when he when he becomes a uh, an automobile, it's just kind of a yellow sort of smallish you know vehicle that that looks Volkswagen ish. Right. And, and I I think you know the smaller vehicle would makes more sense to me. Yeah, I mean, we and we we were also pretty disappointed to see that in the live action movies he basically doesn't talk. He's kind of a and uh, you know almost like an R two D two character where he you know he just makes different sounds but doesn't really have conversations. So that's 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 something that's uh, for you know for us who are older fans that's that's always been a, a little bit of a, a disappointment for us. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of, you know, G1 fans and, you know, even, uh, you know, in the fans that go back a ways, the ones that are into G1, I've heard that from a lot of, the, uh, of them. But to be honest with you, I'd rather have that than somebody else other than me voicing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they have actually, um, I don't know if you've seen the the newer cartoon that just came out this year. And they've got a. They do have a different person voicing him now. I don't. But he's a. He's pretty much a completely different character. So it's. It's not really the same. The well, same you know, guy. Yeah. Over the years, uh, in Transformers animated, um, you know, he had a voice, and uh, in some of the video games, he's had a voice, and in Prime, uh, they finally gave him a voice, and you know, it's cool. Um, I think they wanted a younger sound, and you know, even though I can, you know, my pitch is still higher, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm older, and, and I think. You know, plus every every producer, as I say in the book, every producer wants to kind of put their mark on their production. So, you know, they don't want to go back to somebody that you know has already been used. Um, however, in the uh, in the game that just came out, uh, Transformers Devastation, the producers were real big fans of G One, and they were thrilled to be able to get uh, the five of us to come back and voice our characters. Yeah, so let's talk about that because. Uh... This is something that has made us very happy. So we've all gotten the game and we've gotten a chance to play it. And it's been a real thrill for us to see, uh, you know, just the the art style and everything looking like the original cartoon. And then hearing the voices, hearing all the characters talk in their original voices. Uh, it's just something that has been a real treat for us. So uh, who do we have to thank for, for getting all you guys back onto the project? Did, did the producers all just contact you? Yeah, um, actually, I, the way I understood it, um, uh, some guys in Japan actually were really, you know, behind this thing, and they were huge G1 fans. 
So they really wanted to get some of us, um, you know, in to play the characters that we played in the in the G1 series. So I think they were the ones who were really behind it. And I have to tell you, uh, in the Charlotte convention that we just came back from was the first time I got to get a reaction from any of the fans. And people are nuts about this game. I mean, the yeah. true fans are absolutely in heaven playing this game. And, you know, I've seen some, I have not played it myself, but I've seen uh, scenes from it. And they really did a beautiful job in capturing the look of the G1 series. Yeah, definitely. And and you guys pres- provided the sound, so it's really quite perfect. <laughs> and yeah, and the characters, uh, you know, they, they wrote the characters, at least, you know, the Bumblebee, uh, in a very similar uh, style. You know, his, his kind of wisecracks and his little asides are all in there, and it's uh, they were really stayed true to the character in many different ways. Did did anybody bring a spider or set fire to the sound booth to try and recreate that original feeling? No, that did not happen. Okay. That, that did not happen. I was looking I was looking for it to happen, but no. I'm, okay. I'm sorry to report that did not happen. So safety's <laughs> a priority now, gotcha. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. And no smoking in the studio, for heaven's sake. <laughs> so uh so was it as much a thrill for you to reprise uh, Bumblebee as it was for us to, to hear him in the game? Yeah, it was great fun. I mean, it, it was terrific to go back to the character and uh, and perform him again after, what, 35 years. Um, the only thing I missed was, you know, my, my brothers and sisters in the studio with me like we had uh, during the old days. Because in a, in a, uh, a game, uh, you, you perform all the characters singly, you know, just basically read through the lines because... That's the way it really has to work in a in a video game because of the way it's structured. So I, I missed that, but it was it was really a thrill to go back and and, uh, and voice the little guy again. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, we know uh, that uh, you do have a bit of a, um, a you know you you definitely prefer uh, Bumblebee to Goldbug, his later incarnation. And I noticed in one part in the game. Uh, you can actually choose a gold bug. Actually, they call him gold fire in the game. Uh, and I noticed like there's a quote from you when you say when you select him, they say uh, you say uh, they call me gold fire. Ridiculous. I know. So was that just a little nod to your <laughs> to your displeasure with gold bug? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, you know, that was not an ad lib. That was as written. So these guys, you know, either read the book or they must have felt the same way as, you know, as <laughs> I did. That, that that transition into Goldbug or Goldfire or whatever you want to call it was totally unnecessary, gratuitous, and was strictly <laughs> done to sell more toys. So, um, yeah, I got a kick out of saying that, too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So you you mentioned that you uh, when recording for the video game you you had to record uh, on your own each car- each person recorded on their own is, is that the biggest difference between voicing for a video game or for a TV show or what what other differences are there? Well, um, it, it is it's the main difference certainly, and you're um, you're really much more dependent on the director in that situation too because. Um, you really don't even know what's going on on screen. They have to explain to you what's happening, you know, before you read each line so you know how to read the line. Um, and you really have to trust the director in this case um, to, to lead you through and to, to let you know, you know, what intensity to operate at or what volume or, um, you know, the, the meaning of the lines or the meaning of what's behind the lines in, um, 
in an, uh, an animated series, when you have the whole cast there, it's possible sometimes to run a whole scene together between the actors. So, and, and the director really stays out of it and, and lets the actor create what they want to create through that, through that scene. So that's, a, that's one big difference um, in, in video games as opposed to doing animated series. Cool. So, um, do you have a favorite uh, role, voice role for all the many voices you've played? Well, I've got to say that I have two, um, Spider-Man and Bumblebee. And uh, the reasons are, well, the Bumblebee reason is obvious because it's, it's become so popular. But um, Spider-Man was my first job. And I was a big Spider-Man fan as a kid. I mean, I had all the comic books. Uh, and so to, to be able to voice that role, that iconic character, especially, um, you know, for Marvel Productions, first in-house production, it, that's, you know, that's always going to remain um, really, really close to my heart, that, that character. Awesome. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> our favorite, too. <laughs> they definitely need to give you a cameo in the next live action movie. <laughs> well, if Stan would just step aside, maybe I could. <laughs> uh, so getting into a little bit more of uh, the, the work you've done over the years. Uh, so, I mean, I, we know you have a you have a live action career as well as a voice acting career. So do you have a favorite between doing live action, and doing voiceover work? You mean a favorite show? I mean, a, a favorite between either doing voiceover work or doing live action work, like which, uh, which mode would you oh. prefer? Well, I'll tell you guys, you know, it, they're so different. I mean, each of those modes is so different that uh, it's really hard to say which one I like better. Um, there are, there are aspects to each one that, that to me are superior to the other one. So I really, it would be hard for me to say, you know, that I like voice acting better than, you know, face acting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's just that they're two, they're two separate animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you prepare uh, differently for the, for the different types of, uh, of acting? Well, uh, well, as you know, there's there are different techniques involved in each, in each area. And, um, you know, I've been doing the, the, uh, the voiceover thing long enough so that it's kind of almost become a part of me. I don't really don't have to think much about it. Um, obviously you only have your voice to express the emotions and what's happening with the characters. So that's, that's the, the main part of that technique. As far as on camera, um, acting goes, uh, I started on the stage and on the stage, you have to be very big because in a large auditorium, you've got people sitting, you know, in the back row, which is, you know, 150 feet away. So you've got to be able to read that far. Uh, when you're doing film and television, the camera's right in your face. So all that has to be pulled back and made very small and internal. Um, so that's one of the big uh, changes that, that, that for me, I had to get adjusted to for, for on camera work as opposed to stage work. So, I mean, there, there are just so many different techniques involved in that are so different, uh, you know, regarding each aspect of this business that you have to really be able to know them all and be able to switch back and forth to whichever one's needed. Right. Okay. So what what's changed the most for you since you've started since you started voice acting back in the eighties to to now? Uh, wow, 
Well, during the time that I was working, um, it was there was a lot of it was pretty much superhero. I mean, yeah, there was there were you know My Little Pony and those types of shows were going on, but there were many many shows. But the most of the ones that I were involved, I that I were involved in. First of all, I got good grammar. Um, <laughs> the, the ones that I, the ones that I was involved in. Um, were were very much young hero sort of things. I did Dark Eye and Sec Cars. I did uh, Courage and Spiral Zone. These were all young hero guys. Um, and uh, Dino Rider, same thing. Uh, G.I. Joe, same thing. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we've come away from that more, and I think it's probably, you know, Cartoon Network is partly responsible, but there's a lot of, like, sort of goofy stuff going on now more than there was then and less of the, uh, of the sort of realistic stuff. So I think it's changed in that way. Okay. And what advice would you give to anyone now who's aspiring to get into voice acting? Don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not going to be negative. Um, I would say the, the, the best thing to do is start training and uh, start taking classes and specifically acting classes. Cause that's the, that's the basis of, of it all. That's where it all comes from. And then uh, obviously voiceover classes, you should be taking improv classes, um, just study, 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 do plays. If there are, um, you know, small theaters in, in your area or, you know, amateur theaters, get involved, um, get your feet wet um, begin to experience what that's all about. And, um, you, you need a lot of drive and a lot of commitment to succeed in this business. And, uh, it takes, it takes a lot out of you and you have to have a really strong ego. You have to have, um, you have to have a lot of, uh, defense against, uh, the rejection that you'll face. So there's, there's a lot to it, but I would say from the beginning, you know, start going to classes, start studying. I, I went to a, a four year fine arts university and it was, it was four years of intensive acting training, speech training, movements, uh, method, all of that stuff. Um, and it's, it's, I have to say it's paid off over the years. It's allowed me to earn a living for the last, you know, 35, 40 years. So right. that would be my advice. Get studying kids. Stay in school. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Stay in school. And if you want to, you know, go into the performing business, you know, take take those uh, sorts of classes, acting, movement, uh, improv, all that stuff. And right. go from there. Now, uh, you've in the recently now you've you've turned to writing as a as another career. So in addition to Bumblebee and me, uh, there are two two other novels that you've written uh, recently. So what's your writing process like? Um, well, the writing process is different from each book. Bumblebee and Me was kind of a response to the, the fans' questions. Um, the novel I wrote, which is actually the first thing I wrote before Bumblebee and Me, which is called uh, Drowned in the Grenadine, uh, is a novelization of my experiences as an actor in Hollywood. And it just sort of wanted to come out. I, I was thinking about writing, and what happened was about 10 years ago, we had a... Uh, a strike. I, uh, the actors went on strike right. and I had a lot of time on my hands and uh, I had to figure out what to do with it. So I thought, well, let me, let me try writing. What should I write about? And the old cliche is write what you know. So I thought, well, let me just, you know, maybe write a book about an actor in Hollywood and use a lot of the experiences that I, that I've had as kind of the backbone of the book. So that's how that came about. 
And then there was Bumblebee and Me. And then um, I got an idea for a fantasy novel, uh, which is called Soul, S-O-U-L, Soul. And uh, that just came out recently. And that's a complete departure because it's a fantasy novel about a, a soul who comes down from the afterlife in order to help uh, solve the uh, solve a plague that's, uh, that's been subverting um, conception on the planet Earth. In other words, no babies are being born. And uh, he volunteers to go down and find out why. So... That book is completely different, and it's um, all these books are a way for me to exercise my creativity without leaving my home, you know. <laughs> and in fact, without even without even bathing, <laughs> there's no bathing involved. Right. Plus, a lot of times I'm writing with no pants on. You are living <laughs> the dream, sir. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it is beautiful. <laughs> So do you do you sketch out uh, like when you have the this idea do you sketch it out or do you just start writing start writing scenes in the book and then try to assemble them later on or do you have a plan when you get started like from going from point A to point B or how did how did the whole thing gel together Do you find a willing person and you tattoo the first draft on their on their back or do you handwrite it out or do you do you have a special word processor that you're just in love with, like the actual process I'm super interested in. Um, well, I outline it. First of all, it's, it's the, I'd like to know where I'm going generally. Now, sometimes it veers off, but I, I generally start with an outline. I use word. I use Microsoft word as the, uh, as the writing program. And, um, you know, I start at the beginning and, and go on to the end. A lot of times I'll get inspiration for a scene further on in the book from where I'm at. So I'll jump to that and write that scene. But I generally know where I'm going because of the outline. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, you know, I read a lot of books on writing and most of them said, you know, don't just write blind. Some people are able to do it. Just sit down and start a story. But they said it's a better idea to, to kind of block it out. And so you know where you're going. Cool. I think it was I think it was Alice Haley that said writing a novel is like driving uh, coast to coast at night. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole journey that way. <laughs> so uh, is is that was is that the advice that you would give to other aspiring writers to? to try and map things out and then, and then just plow forward. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, that's what works for me. And it's, you have to just, just, you know, do experiments and see whatever works best for you. Right. And I also have a group of people who are my readers when I do finish a draft that I give, that I give it to them and they give me comments. Uh, and Stephen King's book uh, on writing was incredibly helpful. It's a real nuts and bolts um, approach to writing. If you, if you, if you're thinking about writing or want to get some tips on it, I can't recommend that book more. It's it's a memoir slash writer's guide, and uh, it's it's really great. And obviously, King knows what he's talking about. He's written seventy five thousand books already, so that that is a is a real recommendation for you. Go get that book and read it, and do what he tells you to do. <laughs> and he has readers too. He says that I give it to my readers, and if you know one person says I don't like this, blah blah blah. He doesn't give it that much credence. If two or three people say the same thing, he knows he's got to change it. So um, have you ever uh, looked at any of the Transformers comic book series, either the ones from the 80s or the current ones? Yeah, I've seen a few of the ones from the uh, from the 80s. Um, 
uh, and as a matter of fact, some of the bands bring um, some of the uh, the ones from the '80s that features uh, feature uh, Bumblebee on the cover. Um, I can't say that I've really poured over them, but I'm I'm aware of them. Okay. And uh, I, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with uh, the the Audio Nights Theater. They were at the the TFCon this weekend because they they've been doing a lot of work with uh, doing voiceover work for the comics that are out right now and doing a whole project on that. Have you, has anyone uh, shown you their work? No, I haven't seen their work, but um, I've I've met Charles, which is a beginning. Houston. <laughs> I mean, if that's somewhere to start, anyway. And plus, he gave me a nice button and a little sticker, so I'm I'm into it. Did he hug you? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I got a free gift from Charles, so you know, as far as I'm concerned, the other nights are awesome. <laughs> All right, well, they'll they'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> I have a I have a small yeah. role. <laughs> yeah, I have a well, small please, role yeah. in their uh, in their in their uh, production, but uh, they're they're do- I think they're doing a great job. So it's really interesting to see how far fans can can take this when they're uh, they're just doing something that they love. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, um, just to wrap up, what's the last good book that you've read? The last. I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear you. What's the last good book that you've read that you enjoyed? Uh, the, the last good book that I've read is was called Master and Margarita. It's a Russian novel, and it's about the devil and his cohorts come to Moscow and create all sorts of havoc. And it's basically a uh, – it was written during the Soviet Union time when they were really hard. They were censoring a lot of material. So it's a novelization, but it's actually a critique of the Soviet system hiding underneath the story. And it was it was very cool, and it was a lot of fun to read and, uh, and, and really informative about what was going on during that period, the Cold War period there. I know that's a little bit, you know, esoteric for you. Mm-hmm. I know you wanted me to say, I was Stephen King's um, Tiger in Your Face <laughs> book, but not what I read. It was, it was, it was Master and Margarita. Can I gather from that that you're a big history buff? Uh, I am, if it's well written. Um, yeah, especially recent history. I I, I enjoy reading. Right. That's that's really interesting. I mean, <laughs> I was, I'm sure our, our fans are. Uh, well, we're not, but I, I think our fans are probably more literate than we are. So I'm sure they'll be interested to hear to to hear about your your reading choices. <laughs> Yeah, I look it up. You might you might enjoy it. So uh, I think that's uh, that's all the questions we have. We do do one thing at the end for all our guests. We call it a, a rapid fire segment where we just ask you a bunch of really quick uh, one or one or two choice, multiple choice questions. Uh, can can we take you through that? Sure, go ahead. All right. So starting off, uh, Autobot or Decepticon? Autobot. And I can guess who is your favorite Autobot. Bumblebee. <laughs> so uh, Transformers live action movie one, two, three, or four. None. <laughs> okay. <laughs> none of the none of the above. Okay. <laughs> That's the sound of our audience cheering. Uh, from the the actresses from the movie: Megan Fox, Rosie Huntington Wheatley, or Nicola Peltz. Fox. Okay. Um. 
third party toys? Yes or no? These are the the non Hasbro Transformer toys. Love them because they can still do the Volkswagen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Um, I normally I'd say dog, but we just adopted a cat and I've fallen in love with her, so I'm going to go cat. All right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Chicken or steak? Chicken. Pepsi or Coke? Diet Coke. Uh, I'm sorry, Coke Zero. Ah, okay. (laughs) Burger King or McDonald's? Burger King, no question. History or science? Science. We're all nerds, aren't we? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Xbox or PlayStation? I don't know if you play video games. Yeah, I have a PlayStation. Oh, okay. Uh, Call of Duty or Battlefield? Do you play those shooter games? I don't play the shooter games. I play like uh, more like artsy games. Okay. Uh, PC or Mac? Mac. iPhone or Android? iPhone. And is there a phone app that you can't live without? Yeah, it's become ways now. It's the only way to get around this city. Oh, okay. Uh, Marvel or DC? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, come on, guys. Marvel. <laughs> and I, I, I think I can guess your favorite Marvel character. Go ahead, try. Spider Man. Ding, 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 ding. And Pelopony's one. I have to ask, because you mentioned Submariner in Drowned in Grenadine. Is that a second favorite? I love Submariner because he's, it's such a, it's so off the wall. Yeah. You know, got, I mean, you know, you got the Flash, who's the fastest man alive. You got Superman, who's, you know, who's everything. He's got everything. You've got... You know, you've got the X-Men who have these different powers. Here's this guy who's under the sea and can talk to fish. I mean, how can you not love that? (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Boy, that's tough. Um, I guess I'll go Schwarzenegger since he was my governor for so long. Okay. Uh, so in the in the recent uh, uh, Marvel movies uh, or sci-fi movies, we've got uh, Zoe Saldana or Scarlett Johansson. I love Zoe Saldana. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, she's awesome. Nice. Twilight and or you Hunt- notice anytime? Oh, go ahead. You know, you notice with Zoe Saldana, anytime they've got like a weirdly colored alien, like in um, uh, Avatar, Avatar, and. And uh, the most recent one, Guardians of the Galaxy, where she was green, they yeah. always use Zoe Saldana. Right. <laughs> and they she's like a- color her different colors. Yes. <laughs> and she's also Uhura, too. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, she's all over the place and she's great. Yeah. Twilight or Hunger Games? Get out of here. Next question. <laughs> Pixar I'm or. Too old for that. <laughs> I'm too old for that. Right? I'm, I'm past puberty. <laughs> uh, Pixar or DreamWorks? Uh, that's tough. Ooh, that's hard. Um, uh, Pixar. Those guys are just amazing. Yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? 
once again a toughie, but I have to tell you, I'm binge watching the original Star Trek series on Netflix and uh, reliving my youth. We, I, I love that series. The the mix of characters, you know, Shatner and Nimoy and um, and DeForest Kelly. I mean, these guys were great. They knew these characters really well. Plus, a really close friend of mine is Dorothy Fontana, who was the script supervisor and also wrote some of the best episodes. So. I guess I gotta go Star Trek. All right, all great reasons. Star Trek is a favorite of mine as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and even you know the last movie uh, that they did was was absolutely great. I watched it like three times. Wow! Yeah. All right, uh, just a couple more. Uh, Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons. Family Guy's a ripoff of Simpsons anyway. Plus, a dear friend of mine, Tress McNeil. Is in Simpsons and does a magnificent job. She was up for an Emmy this year and uh, and did not win, but she should have. Yeah, I, I don't know why they don't put her in with the main cast. Like she's never she's never talked about in the same sentence with with all the the main actors there. And she does so much work on that show. I mean, I yeah, think she does a tremendous amount. Of, I mean, you know, she's Agnes Skinner. She's you know Cookie Kwan. You know, and and virtually every other you know woman that's not a regular who comes into the show. Tress is really amazingly talented and uh, she's kind of the redheaded stepchild of that show. She doesn't get the kind of, uh, she doesn't get the kind of money or the kind of prestige or the kind of credit that the other guys do. And it's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved her on also the, the kids shows in the nineties, the tiny tunes and animaniacs. She's, uh, she's just a, an amazing, amazing talent. Press was all over the place in the in the nineties. She's she was and she's still doing Disney stuff. I think she's doing Daisy Duck on the uh, for Disney and um, she she's still very active. Yeah, ooh, I'm getting ooh, look. I'm getting some kind of I'm getting a call coming in on the other line. This is exciting. I'm going <laughs> to ignore it though. <laughs> okay, we're almost done, so we we won't we won't take okay. up too much more of your time. <laughs> uh, Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Actually, I don't watch either. Oh, okay. Is yeah, there any- I'm not into zombies or, or you know, guys with swords. So neither one. Is there another show that you like? Currently? Oh, have you seen the Daredevil series on Netflix? Oh, yes. Yes. Love oh, that. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Also, I'm absolutely in love with The Flash on the CW. Have you guys that's, seen that? Yeah, that's the best yes. show on TV, I think. It is unbelievably great. I've been a Flash fan since I was a kid. They are doing such a great job with that mythology. They're staying true to the character. They've got so many of the villains coming in. And the last episode, let me share this with you. The last episode, they've got Jay Garrick, who's come back now from the from the uh, the past, and yeah. they got the current Flash. They were, they're running to save this girl, and they're running on either side of a brick wall, which is a duplicate of the very famous comic book cover that they that these guys did as an Easter egg in there. And I hit the ceiling when that thing happened. It was unfreaking <laughs> believable. I love these guys. Yeah, the, the people behind that really do get the characters. It's awesome. They know the characters. They know the mythology. They're being true to the entire mythos. Can't recommend that show more. Awesome. Yeah. We are right there with you. Yes. For those of you who don't know, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening and it's going to start in about an hour and a half. I can't wait. (laughs) 
Yeah, and for us on the East Coast, it's already over. So we we've recorded it, so we we can watch it later. Don't, don't tell me! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Don't spoil it! Don't spoil it! <laughs> All right, uh, now sports: NFL, MLB, NHL, or NBA. I am so gay <laughs> when it when it comes to sports. <laughs> Let me put it that way. My wife will kill me if she hears me say that. I have absolutely no. I don't have the sport gene. Somehow I got born without it. I don't know anything about sports. I couldn't tell you anything about sports. I couldn't tell you who's going to be in the World Series. I couldn't tell you who's the who, who's who in the football world. I just don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, or VW Bug? <laughs> I got to go with number four. <laughs> it may not have the speed. It may not have the looks, but it's got the poisonality. <laughs> and last question, blonde, brunette, or redhead? My wife is blonde, so there you go. <laughs> Honey, I told him blonde. <laughs> Just blew me a kiss. Thank you, thank you so much for for spending uh, some time with us and and listening to our crazy questions. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a real pleasure, and um, I wish you nothing but the best. And I just want to say hi to all the fans, and uh, I love you guys. Um, I couldn't be prouder to have been part of this franchise. And uh, keep watching. You never know uh, where I'm going to pop up again. All right, and we will. And everyone is continuing to enjoy Devastation, so we hope maybe they'll make a sequel and we'll get to hear some more of Bumblebee. It's entirely possible. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll uh, we'll catch you later on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to you later. Thanks for picking up our transmissions. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com. There you can find all of our contact information on social media, as well as all of the links to our show notes discussed on each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.